today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. God blessing, God calling, and then man rejecting in the midst of it. But you know, through all of that, God has a plan. Through the study of the Word of God, we understand that God does have a plan. This thing wasn't just wound up at the beginning and set down like a child's play toy to wander helter-skelter with no direction or plan or purpose. No, God does have a plan. It's an eternal plan. The first part of that plan, you need to understand, you need to realize, you need to drill it into your brain that the first part of his plan is to bring glory and honor to himself. Today's message begins a new series from Pastor David where he'll be taking a much broader approach to God's Word. Instead of the verse-by-verse studies he's done in the past, Pastor David will be opening your eyes up to some of the basic stories, principles, and lessons of all of Scripture. Today will be an overview of what the Bible is and why this study is so important, as well as laying out the plans God has. Here's a hint. It's not about you. It's all about God, about His glory, and about what He's doing in your life. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 with part 1 of his message, The Beginning, The End, The New Beginning. Normally, we do a study in the Bible. We're beginning a series. It's going to be a year-long series through the Bible in a year. And I hear a lot of chuckling. I, I understand you're saying there's no way this guy can get through the Bible in a year. It took him three years to get through Luke. Well, actually, we are going to get through the Bible in one year. Now, what does that mean? What does that look like? That looks like the fact that We're not going to touch every deep thing in every one of these books. It is going to be an overview, and I'm going to be sharing with you a little bit as we go through the study why I feel that's so important, particularly at this point in time, not only in the life of our church, but in the life of our our, our society. Again, the overview of it all. I've titled the message, actually almost the whole series, really, The Beginning, The End, and the new beginning. Because again, this is what it's all about. The beginning of what God has started within all of creation, all the way to the point of the end of that creation that brings us to a new beginning. We're actually not going to start the survey through the Bible. We're actually going to talk about the Bible as kind of a preliminary of the rest of the series. So tonight, you're going to need to bear with me because it's totally different than what we normally do. Normally, again, the verse-by-verse in-depth, we're going to talk about the Bible. Yeah, with a little bit of Scripture verses too. But again, hopefully it'll bless you. Hopefully it'll be an encouragement. For some of you, it'll be a refresher course. For some of you, it might be some new stuff that you've never heard before. One of the things also that I'm going to do just to keep your attention is every once in a while, I'm going to throw in maybe a little 
little-known basic Bible fact, okay? Did you realize that in the world right now, there's 6,909 living languages? In other words, languages that people actually use. 3,223 of them have at least a book of the Bible translated in their language. And we think, wow, that's wonderful. But when you do the math, you realize that's less than half. That's less than half. And then if you move on, we realize that 1,442 of them have the complete New Testament. Well, that's even less than half of the other. And then we come to the point of how many have a complete Bible? Only 636 languages out of the 6,909. Beloved, that's less than 10% of the people in the world have God's word in their language. And again, this is through uh, Wycliffe uh, Bible translators that we get this information. What's the important thing about the scripture? Why do we study the scripture? Why, why should that be so important, particularly to you as a believer, but in general for the world? Well, Paul tells Timothy that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God, or the woman of God, as the case might be, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture given by inspiration of God. Well, what exactly does that mean? Well, you get Peter now kind of gives us that explanation. He says that prophecy never came by the will of God, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And again, that whole idea, prophecy not coming by the will of God, but holy men of God, or by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. That's what it means when all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And we can't lessen that fact as far as the importance of the word of God. And then Paul told Timothy, not only is it inspired by God, but it's profitable for doctrine and for reproof. What does that mean? We look at the word doctrine, not the English word so much as, again, getting back into the Greek and the understanding. What is doctrine? Doctrine is, believe me, beloved, doctrine is not a four-letter word, okay? Doctrine is a good thing to have. Doctrine is a good thing to understand. Doctrine is the received truths, the teachings and, and the learnings of the truths, not only of God, but the truth about God and about man. It's through the word of God we learn who God is. It's through the word of God we learn who we are and what a desperate mess we are and how greatly we need God. You know, the, the word of God is also good for reproof. And again, that's it's verifiable evidence, proof of both truth and the conviction of wrong. In other words, we use the word of God when we speak to people to show, no, this is who God is. This is the truth of God. This is the word of God. This is the plan of God. This is the purpose of God. This is the law of God. This is the calling of, and on and on and on. It's the word of God. It's not the experience of man. 
oh, praise God for the experiences that we have within the move of God within our lives. But beloved, if we don't have the word of God that validates those experiences, you need to understand your experiences don't validate the word of God. The word of God validates your experiences. So if it doesn't validate your experience, then you got to back away and say, whoa, maybe that was just the pizza last night and not necessarily the Holy Spirit, okay? Well, let's move on. Not only for doctrine and for reproof, but also for correction and for instruction in righteousness. I love that word correction when I looked at it. The main meaning of it is to straighten up again. It's not that, oh, this guy is just always going the wrong way. No, this is somebody who has been going the right way for a while. And the word of God can bring correction because we've wandered off track. We've gotten out of the understanding of what God's word is saying. The word of God now gives us correction and brings us back on track. Also for instruction in righteousness, it becomes our tutor. It becomes that both for nurturing as well as discipline and I don't know about you guys. Well, I do know about you guys because you're not that much different than me. We need both of those, don't we? We need nurturing. We need encouraging. We need somebody to come and put their arm around us and bring us through those hard times. But we also need discipline because we do need correction. And the word of God is good for that. Why? Because it's the truth of God. It's the plan of God. It's the message of God for us. He says that all of that is given in order that the man of God may be complete. Being complete, what does that mean? Well, that means being brought to a point of spiritual maturity. So in other words, I'm not wandering around. I'm not like a little baby, not understanding. No, I'm growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm growing in the knowledge of God's word and the truth of God's word. I'm knowing what that doctrine is. I'm growing in those things. But it also has the idea of being fresh. I want my spiritual life to be fresh. I don't want to go on last year's or last decade's blessings. There are way, way too many believers that say, oh yeah, I came to Jesus back in 19, oh gee, when was 19, whatever. And yet nothing has really happened in their spiritual life since then. It's been kind of flat life. No, we need to be refreshed in order that we might be complete. And he says also the word of God comes or the scripture comes, it's given to us in order that we might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In other words, all that we need within the word of God, he's given to us. We're fully furnished and by implication, by the understanding of it, that means that we are fully armed, fully armed for the battle, fully armed, prepared and ready for whatever task is at hand, whatever comes before us. One more basic Bible fact. A survey of graduating high school seniors revealed that over 50% thought that Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife. There is a problem with biblical illiteracy in our nation. But you know what? We also have that problem within our church. Not just our church, but within the church as a whole. Because there might have been one or two of you that says, they weren't? No. We look at this, and a great article that I read in preparation for this, written by uh, Albert Moeller, and Albert Moeller is actually the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. And again, he, he writes that Americans revere the Bible, but by and large, they don't read it. 
And because they don't read it, they have become a nation of biblical illiterates. How bad is it right now? Moeller says researchers tell us that it's worse than most of us could even begin to imagine. Fewer than half of all adults can name the four Gospels. Many Christians cannot identify more than two or three of the disciples. According to data from the Barna Research Group, 60% of Americans cannot name even five of the Ten Commandments. And then he writes, it's no wonder people break the Ten Commandments all the time. They don't know what they are. Bottom line, increasingly, America is biblically illiterate. Beloved, God has given his word to us. And as the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and it is powerful and it is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow and it is discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. God has given his word to us in order that it might penetrate the hearts of every man, of every woman, and of every young person, in order that the word of God might penetrate all the things that this world covers us up with. God has given us his word in order, again, to reveal our hearts, but also to reveal his love for us. Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 55, 11, says, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. God has a plan and a purpose for his word. That's why it's so important for us to read his word, to grow in his word, not just come and sit as a Bible study. I mean, as good as that is, you need to be reading the word of God to have a plan of reading the word of God. Reading through the word of God in a year, oh, that's a great plan. But you know what? You also need to back up, slow down, and study the word of God in order that you might be able to glean from it. Not just speed reading. Now, we're gonna be speed reading the next year, but for a purpose. But beyond that, you need to be studying the word of God yourself. Another basic Bible fact here. The phrase, God never gives you more than you can handle. You know what? That ain't in the Bible, okay? As a matter of fact, the Bible tells you just the opposite. That God will give you more than you can handle because you need to call on him. If he doesn't give you more than you can handle, then why do we need God? But we are placed in situations continually where we need to call upon the name of God because, Lord, I'm overwhelmed. I'm drowning here. I'm, I'm overcome. I don't know what to do at this point in time. On in Albert Maurer's article here, he says, multiple surveys reveal the problem in stark terms. According to 80% of Americans, God helps those who help themselves is a Bible verse. Do you realize that's Benjamin Franklin? That's not the Bible. Those identified, catch this, 
Now, 82% of Americans thought that that was a Bible verse. But born-again Christians, we did a whole lot better than that. By 1%. By 1%. That's biblical illiteracy within the church. A majority of adults think the Bible teaches that the most important purpose in life is taking care of one's family. The most important purpose in your life is taking care of family. As important as that is, that is not the number one purpose. That's not why God created you. God created you in order that you might glorify him and enjoy him forever. In order that he would be the focus of your life. And in making him the focus and in giving him glory in all of your life, guess what? You're going to be a much better provider for your family. And you're going to be doing exactly what he's called you to do. Within the word of God, God reveals to us eternity past. He speaks about, again, the events and the things within the Trinity that took place. Everything from, man, the the work of the angels to the fall of Satan. We see, again, the Trinity of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, their plans and their purposes. He speaks to us of eternity future, that for you and I as believers, what is beyond this time frame within our lives. But then also within his word, he gives us that ever present now. What's going on in our lives right now? Through the word of God, we can understand and we can see, man, these events are not taking him by surprise. And even as Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. We look at the world today and we realize, man, this is just humanity that's still going on. This is the same humanity that started out in the garden. This is the same humanity that was there at Noah's time. This is the same humanity at the Tower of Babel. This is the same humanity that, again, we see time and time and time again. God blessing, God calling, and then man rejecting in the midst of it. But you know, through all of that, God has a plan. Through the study of the word of God, we understand that God does have a plan. This thing wasn't just wound up at the beginning and sat down like a child's play toy to wander helter-skelter with no direction or plan or purpose. No, God does have a plan. It's an eternal plan. The first part of that plan, you need to understand, you need to realize, you need to drill it into your brain that the first part of his plan is to bring glory and honor to himself. Bring glory and honor to himself. You might think, well, that's pretty egocentric. He's God, okay? His plan and his purpose is to bring glory and honor to himself. It's not about you. Sorry to break up your thought process there, but it's not about you. It is all about him. You've got your Bibles with you because you thought we'd be getting into the Bible sometime. So why don't you open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Ephesians. In the book of Ephesians, Paul lays it right out there very early on in the first chapter. The book of Ephesians chapter one, Paul writing to the church of Ephesus, and I'm gonna skip down to verse three. And he says, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That's part of that eternity past. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love 
having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of our will. Is that what it says? The good pleasure of his will. Not my will. He called me to himself for his good pleasure. Sometimes I look at that and I think, God, you really made made a mess with that. You called me for your good pleasure? How does that work? But he goes on here. According to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of what? Of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. By the way, that's not your wisdom and prudence. That's his wisdom and prudence. He's called you to himself. Having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him, in him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to what? The purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel, what? Of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. For what reason? To the praise of his glory. For his glory. That is the plan of God. That's number one in the plan of God. Let's look what Jesus even speaks about this. Look in the gospel according to Matthew and in chapter six. Matthew chapter six. Jesus wanted to make sure that his followers were on track, that they were getting an understanding of what direction their hearts and their minds ought to go. And so he teaches them how to pray. And what does he say here in Matthew chapter six, we'll start down in verse nine. He says, pray in this manner, or in this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy, righteous is your name. Again, getting our mind and our focus on him. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, where does our focus begin there? Right when we go to our knees, right when we begin to pray, our focus goes to him. Now, beloved, this isn't a rote prayer that we need to pray all the time. What this is, is a model prayer. So in other words, what he's saying, now, when you pray, get your focus right. Get your focus right on the reality of who he is and who we're coming to. Oh, and then he goes on, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors.
Surprisingly and sadly, too many followers of Jesus are Bible illiterate. They know a few basic names or facts, but the abundance of truth and love inside this great text is getting lost. This is why Pastor David feels it's necessary to take some time to work through the Bible in this series, and we're so glad you've joined us here on The Open Word for it. Each time you tune in, Pastor David will be giving you an accurate and succinct dialogue of a book of Scripture, pointing out the key passages and truths that everyone needs to be aware of. If you missed any part of today's message or any part of this series, we encourage you to visit our website. You'll be able to listen again at theopenword.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, and please feel free to share these teachings with your friends and family. Everyone can benefit from this Through the Bible series. Are you in the Casa Grande area? If so, Pastor David has an invitation to extend to you. Every message you hear on The Open Word is one that I shared here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande, a great church where I enjoy my role as senior pastor. I'd love to see your face next time I get up to teach, and I'd really enjoy meeting you afterward please consider coming on out and joining us this weekend. You'll be able to find all the information you need at theopenword.com. Just click the Calvary Chapel link at the bottom of the page. See you there. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all for today. But join us next time to continue through the Bible here on The Open Word.